This week's Haftarah reading from Second Kings was chosen because it couples well with the Torah portion, Tazria Mitzurah. Both deal with the common topic of contagious disease. The timeliness of that, of course, is not lost on any of us. Uh, for me, the Haftarah provides the perfect bridge between the Passover Seder table just 16 nights ago, and four nights from now, the secular holiday of Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Israel's Independence Day. First, the link between the Haftarah and the Passover Seder. The reading from 2 Kings introduces us to a man named Naaman, described as a commander of the army of the king of Aram, Aram being a foreign nation in conflict with Israel. The people of Aram are known simply, simply as Arameans. The word may resonate as one of the central readings from the Haggadah, Arami Oved Avi. My father was a wandering Aramean. The Haggadah is directly quoting from the book of Deuteronomy, which reads, when you enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you as a heritage, you shall possess it and settle it. You shall recite as follows before the Lord your God. My father was a wandering Aramean. He went down to Egypt with meager numbers and sojourned there, but there he became a very populous nation. The Egyptians dealt harshly with us and oppressed us. They imposed heavy labor upon us. We cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers. The Lord heard our pleas and saw our plight, our misery and oppression. The Lord freed us from Egypt by a mighty hand, by an outstretched arm, an awesome power, and by signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. One of the most frequently discussed questions around Seder tables and Torah study tables throughout the generations to our day asks, who does this refer to? My father is a wandering Aramean? For our purposes tonight, I'll provide what is arguably the strongest, though not only answer. It claims that the wandering Aramean is none other than the patriarch of the Jewish people, Abraham. Abraham, who lived in Aram before God directed him to Lechlecha, to go forth to leave your native land to a place where I will show you, the place we come to know as Canaan, the land of Israel. Abraham, the first Hebrew, coming from the word Ivri, meaning one who crosses over. Inserting Abraham's name as the Aramean fits perfectly in the biblical verse from which it comes. Moses, who is giving a history lesson in Deuteronomy, knows our story well. Abraham, with his wife Sarah, were the first to go down to Egypt because of a drought in the land of Canaan. 
The point is, throughout his lifetime, Abraham wanders as a stranger, even within the boundaries of Canaan, as he introduces himself to the Hittite people when purchasing a burial plot for Sarah, saying, Ger Toshav Anochi Imachem, I am a resident alien among you. God makes it clear that this is to be the identity for his descendants as well, saying to Abraham, know well that your offspring shall be strangers in a land not theirs, and they shall be enslaved and oppressed 400 years, and they shall return here in the fourth generation. The central story of the Jewish people at the core of our Passover Seder is that we enter our homeland not with a mindset of entitlement, rather knowing what it's like to be the other, to be a stranger, to be an outcast, to be a resident alien. And we remind ourselves of that every Shabbat as we did tonight with the Kiddush. Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim. We remember going out of Egypt so we remember what it felt like to be enslaved, to be a foreigner, an outsider. To be a Jew is to feel the plight of the marginalized wherever we go, wherever we live, all the more so in the land that God prepared for us to live. Which now connects our Haftarah to the upcoming celebration of Israel's Independence Day. We are told that Naaman, the Aramean commander, though a great warrior, has been stricken with a skin disease. As it happens, the commander has a young Israelite slave girl, an attendant to his wife, carried off as booty from the land of Israel. The Israelite girl suggests to her mistress that the famed Israelite prophet Elisha could surely help to cure the commander's disease. Even enslaved, the Israelite girl has not lost her compassion. The Aramean king provides a letter to the king of Israel to put their differences to the side for the sake of bringing healing to a man in need. Though the king of Israel thought this was a pretext to do his people harm, Elisha, the prophet, assures his king that this is an opportunity to create goodwill between their peoples. To give the shortened version of the story, Elisha brings healing to the Aramean commander who wants to pay Elisha a handsome price to express his gratitude. Elisha does not accept. He wants no strings attached to an authentic, benevolent gesture. The Aramean is so taken by the God of the Israelites, manifest through the wondrous works of the prophet, that he proclaims that there is no other God in the world like the Israelite God. Yet the commander foresees him having to bow to the gods in the temple of Rimon back in Aram, 
while supporting his king who will be leaning on him. Alicia understands the commander's predicament and is undisturbed by it, bidding the Aramean commander farewell with the simple words, Lech Bishalom, go in peace. The prophetic reading of Alicia and the Aramean commander is far more than a demonstration of Alicia's power to perform miracles. It is a story about who we are as Jews and how we strive to live in the homeland of the Jewish people and how we live as Jews wherever we consider our home. Caring for one another knows no boundaries. Compassion and the best medicine overrides politics. It was true in the time of our ancestors and it's true today. This is true with religious affiliation as well. Alicia is not selling anything. He's not proselytizing. There are no strings attached to his caring and compassion. Was Alicia delighted to hear Naaman bear witness to the faith of the Israelite people? I'm sure he was. Yet his primary concern was for the commander to be able to navigate his life when he returns to the land of Aram and has to serve his king. Alicia knows that life is complicated. What is most important, important to Alicia, is that the man, wherever and whatever his faith, that he should simply go in peace. The Haftarah story of the Aramean commander and the Israelite prophet Elisha is the perfect bridge connecting Passover and Israel's Independence Day. We are to remember our roots as wandering Jews of impermanence of being marginalized. The enterprise of building a homeland for the Jews has always been based on a vision of treating the other with kindness. And that remains our vision today. Israel's first prime minister, David Ben-Gurion, was surely channeling Elisha and the prophets when he included in the Declaration of Independence the following. The state of Israel will be open for Jewish immigration and for the ingathering of the exile. It will foster the development of the country for the benefit of all its inhabitants. It will be based on freedom, justice, and peace as envisioned by the prophets of Israel. It will ensure complete equality of social and political rights to all its inhabitants, irrespective of religion, race, or sex. It will guarantee freedom of religion, conscience, language, education, and culture. It will safeguard the holy places of all religions. Israeli singer and songwriter Naomi Shemer wrote a song during the 1973 Yom Kippur War, inspired though not a translation, from the Beatles, Let It Be. 
her song entitled Lu Yehi. It's a hopeful prayer for a quick end to the war. And Shemer knows that there can only be peace with security. Shemer is realistically aspirational and she repeats throughout Kol Shenevakesh Luyehi, all that we seek, may it be. Luyehi, 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 may it be, may it be, may it be.